0: Well, in 1975, I was 25 years old. I thought I was the toughest, most narcissistic, um, ego maniacal bad boy. United States Marine Corps, working for various programs. You know, not religious, not any of that. I thought I was the center of the universe. And one evening, I was sitting down as Mister Somebody and I was holding the telephone to my ear, and that was when you had landlines back in the day. Mm -hmm. And lightning came down the phone line. It hit me in the side of the head. It went down my spine. It welded the nails of the heels of my bass regions to the nails in the floor. If it hadn't grounded by by welding those nails, I would have exploded. It threw me in the air, slammed me back down, breaking the bed frame. And I was burning and on fire, and I could not see. Wow. And the pain, Alex, was so incredible. And when, when you experience not knowing what happened, I did, couldn't have ever imagined lightning. So I was trying to get to a position as a defensive position as a fighter and a combat guy, and I could not move. I could not move and I couldn't see where I was. And my God, the pain, every nerve ending was burned. I mean, I have pictures of what I looked like eight days after that. And you can see what the spine, my bruises down my spine, every vertebrae had a big bruise on it where it had just twisted me in the air. And then all of a sudden I lift up out of my body. I could see I wasn't in any pain. And it did not matter where I was. I was not down there anymore. And I'm looking around and seeing that everything is vibrant. You would think it was solid, but nothing is really solid. It's like the Matrix. It's just not all those numbers. And everything has a certain resonance and a frequency. And I was looking at all of that. And somehow I knew I knew this place better than I had known that 25-year-old punk where I was now. And I watched them, the guy on the other end of the phone was a corpsman in the Navy. He came straight over. He lived really close. Uh, my girlfriend was just to take a CP, uh, CPR course. And so she was pounding on me and then TM got there and they worked on me. Say, so call the paramedics, went next door, called the paramedics. I'm just floating around. I'm looking at everything. I'm so disconnected from it. You know, and this is gonna happen to everybody, Alex. You'll be so happy when your time comes that you won't know what to do with yourself. And the biggest thing that people do is grieve about losing you. Well, that only slows you down. It only holds you because you stay connected to them instead of them celebrating your life. So I watched them load me in the ambulance and I figured I better go with me, okay, because it was a new and interesting reality so i'd better go with me so i cannot figure out how i was floating above my the paramedic working on me and i and i i had visual range i don't know how that possibly worked but i did and then the guy said he's gone he's gone and i thought well gone where <laughs> i mean the paramedics here the lumps down there where's anybody gone and then over my left shoulder this spiraling tunnel and it was moving whether I was moving or not. And I could feel myself being pulled down it. And I would move down this tunnel and i come in this place of bright, brilliant, beautiful light. You know, everybody will have an inner knowing, Alex, that they've been there before. And that they know this place. There is no fear. And a lot of times when people have fear at the end of life, someone that they trust and know comes to get them. What people don't understand is all of this led me to become a hospice volunteer. I've been a hospice volunteer for 42 years, and I have more than $34,000 at the bedside, and I've been with 2,010 people going from this world to the next, and I've been with 348 people taking their last breath, and I spent the last 37 years in the VA dying with veterans. So all of this was so impressive to me of what I saw and what I witnessed and what I went through, that it transformed my life. You know, it just transformed it because we are great, powerful, and mighty spiritual beings with dignity, direction, and purpose. You were that before you got here, and you will be that when you leave here. You take on these socio-psychological identities to achieve certain goals. Both you're chosen to come here, and then you choose to come here. So I get down to the end of this tunnel in this bright, brilliant, beautiful light. And this is another one of the issues I have. I look down to see my hand or I was going to look at my body because I'm steady. I'm in this place. There's not all that gist going on with that dead guy. And I look at my hand and my hand was not there. And then as I focused, my hand appeared and I could see my hand. It's not like Michael Jackson with the glove on. But it had a shimmering essence to it. And then I saw a being, This and that's the only thing I could describe these things as, a being, a radiant being. I can understand why people think wings, because of the movement around that body as it was moving toward me. And my hand disappeared back into that shimmering silverness as I focused, before I left and focused on the being coming toward me. When this big game came to me, a sense of safety and calm rushed over me. And I always say it like this, you know, when you cut your knee and you're you're four years old and you run to your mother and it's got blood and she picks you up and sets you on the washing machine Mm -hmm. and she's to fix it, you know, what that feeling is the feeling, no matter how old you are, that's the feeling that you get that loving, compassionate sense of safety. And then I had what I think is the single most important thing about the near-death experience other than it does happen, which confirms without any question that no one dies. It will not happen. And how do I know that? I have been dead three times. I've had one death experience, and I've had four near-death experiences. Dead struck by lightning, dead for 28 minutes, completely paralyzed for six days, partially paralyzed for seven months, two years to learn to walk and feed myself, passing out, taking steps, breaking my nose, blood, pulling my shoulder out of socket, trying to push the button on the door to get to open the door. And I just black out and hang there for three hours until my dad comes by, pulls my shoulder out of joint, breaks my collarbone, and I'm still hanging there. Well, back in the tunnel. So this being the most important thing that everybody has to understand is the panoramic life of you. You, And this is concurrent in most near-death experiences. You will see your life pass before you in a 360-degree panorama. You have missed nothing. Then you'll watch it from a second-person point of view as if you were your own best friend. So you can see how silly you are, how funny you are, and how unserious you are, okay? Then you literally become every person that you've ever encountered, and you feel the direct results of your interaction between you and that person. Wow. And then there is a question, and I'm going to use the term God, because there's no word. God is a German word, but there is no word for it. Then this divine essence asks you a question. If God couldn't come today and God sent you, in the life you just reviewed, what difference did you and God make? What does that tell you? You are responsible. You chose to come here. You were chosen and you chose. And you're going to be every person. So it is your intent that matters, not what you do, but why you're doing it. And then that reflection, because I basically didn't have a lot of really good things after three that, you know, I mean, I had to be the. Oh, God, the most ignorant, heathenous, brute. I mean, my. And the worst part about it, Alex, is I could fight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I could back those words up. So I had to take a lot of punishment for my my actions. But I am responsible. And nobody's going to get away with anything. And the universe is fair and just in the story. And once that was over, this being took me to what I call crystal cities. You know, I have no other term for how I would describe it, because I remember driving into Denver one night about 2 a.m. and the houses were lit up on the sides of the mountains and because of the fog, they radiated out. And that was the image that I put to that. And I got into this crystal city, and I was looking at the architecture of it. And then these beings, these 12 beings appeared. You know, and I go through all the religious context of the 12 disciples, the 12 gates, the 12 pearls, the 12 tribes, all that. So 12 has got to be a significant position. And if you're a Tesla, 3, 6, and 9 are the variable numbers of how the universe operates in frequencies and harmonics. Mm-hmm. So it all kind of makes sense to me now. But each of these beings showed me a box. And what would happen, Alex, is that being would radiate. And the, there was a 13th being to my right. And that 13th being would designate, not in order, but designate a being to show me what became now is known as the prophecies of Daniel. I always call that section Nostra Daniel because I, well, I'm just some jackass from South Carolina, okay? I, I, I know too much about me to be impressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, All right. I, don't, I don't deal with any of that. But what happened was I saw a series of events. Each one of them showed me series of events. So here we are 45 years later. 45 years later. And I would say that we were in what I call box 12. Remember, I wrote a book called Saved by the Light. Mm-hmm. In 1993, and it was published in 1994, became an international New York Times bestseller. And in the boxes of knowledge, which is what I call these, these prophetic, prophetic visions, okay, that, that as I watched them come true, okay, and when we were writing Saved by the Light, Paul and I, Paul Perry, who's my co-author and probably one of my best friends, he's a little anal retentive and a little skeptic, but he's written written five New York Times bestsellers as the co-author of Near Death Experiences. And so there came to be, they didn't want to put the prophecies in the book Hmm. because some of the things I said were too close to happening. Which was the Iranians acquiring submarines, and they didn't want to put it in there, so this is like nineteen seventy five all this happened in nineteen seventy five say by the light was written twenty five years ago mm-hmm. twenty five years ago about an event that happened forty five years ago <laughs> when I was dead
1: mm-hmm.
0: right patient not just patient not breathing, no e k g What does that tell you in nineteen seventy five It covered me with a sheet, moved me over, but We're in box 12, so what I want to show you is, in a 25-year-old book, what box
1: 12 is. Can you see that? Technology and virus. (laughs) You got to be kidding me. What does it say?
0: It describes, you can turn on the television, you can read chapter chapter 5, box 12, and you can go and find it's all over the internet. And you can turn on the television and see if I missed anything.
1: Wow. And that's one of the things that was said in in one of the twelve boxes that you were presented with.
0: In 1975. So. In the book I read 25 years ago. So. Oh, I have watched history for 45 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the probable possibilities of what happens in this life determines in the intent that each of us use in the reasoning for why we're doing what we're doing. And when you start focused on being a physical being as opposed to a spiritual being, love thy neighbor as thyself, do unto others as you would have others do unto you, you know, the basic core nature of acts of love, kindness. Because when you have a panoramic life of you and everybody has one, you're going to see the little things, the little acts of kindness, the smile, the pat on the back. It's going to be okay. The, the dollar on the guy on the street, the, those things. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, people have to understand when you're a great, powerful and mighty spiritual being with dignity, direction and purpose. The only thing that can ever go wrong in your life is you allow something to affect your dignity, which skews your direction and your purpose. Well, anybody who's ever read Saved by the Light or have ever watched my life for 45 years knows I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I have given my whole life to death. I am an expert in palliative and end-of-life care, and I know exactly how to help a person go from this world to the next based on that they're a spiritual being. I don't care what your issues are. I know how you celebrate it and how you structure it, and I created the Twilight Brigade, one of the largest end-of-life care volunteer programs for dying veterans in American history, and I have died with more veterans than any other person alive. So, when you find out what your mission is, and you seek that as a spiritual being, which the nature of Box 12 is to keep you from being able to do that, the Technology and the virus, okay, the designing of a chip that could be structured that house all of your information, and they could determine how to kill you whenever they got ready, okay, and how it was going to be structured. This one person would come, and they would rise, and they'd begin to come to see themselves as godlike, create philosophical foundations and become the world's leading authority on depopulation and that everybody was mandated to have a chip patent 060606
1: mm-hmm. it sounds familiar
0: mm-hmm. so I have watched life for 45 years and what people have to really understand now is they're scared to death of something that will never happen. Well, I laugh all the time because I, in, in my near death experiences, my one death experiences and my other near death experiences, because of damage done to me from being struck by lightning, I've had to have open heart surgery, brain surgery, and open heart surgery. And then after this last open heart surgery, because I had an aneurysm under my aortic valve, I I went into surgery. They only gave me a maximum of 10 days. At least that's what the doctor told my brother, my sister, and my wife that I had about 10 days. And she said that the scar tissue and damage on the inside of me was Unbelievable and that no one would ever be able to go back in there no matter what because of what she saw. She couldn't figure out how I'd lived this long. Well, she missed it. Five days later, on a Sunday morning at 2 a.m., I went into cardiac arrest, and they had to resuscitate me. About seven minutes I was resuscitated, and I went into cardiac arrest again. Jesus. Okay, now that was two and a half years ago. And so when someone goes to telling me that they think that the about life after death and that you're living in a dead universe, if you take drugs or pharmaceuticals or anything that looks to a doctor, then you live in a dead universe. It's dead. Or there's a living universe. Well, I live in a living universe. I celebrate this. I know I don't die. And in the four shots they've had at me, I've never been to hell. So if you don't die and you don't go to hell, this ain't nothing but entertainment to me. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I know about pain. I know about suffering. And I think they have to kill me, Alex, like every 10 or 15 years. They have to kill me every 10 or 15 years. So there's nothing somebody's going to tell me about what they're going through that I cannot help understand how they get through it because I have been them. And then if you look at it from a spiritual point of view, struck by lightning under black's law which is the black's the dictionary of, of black's law is the dictionary used for legal terms an act of god is a defensible position in a court of law so that's spiritual open heart surgery the sinner breaking me hmm. brain surgery mental physical and spiritual each of those places that you attack me to stop me or to make me pay attention. I don't ever take the place of a victim. Why? A spiritual being cannot conceive of themselves as being a victim. It just does not and will not happen. So I can never take the victimhood. Wham, wham, wham. Poor as me.
1: So, let me ask you a question. Why do you think? Because I mean, everything you said is mean, obviously very fascinating. When a soul comes down to earth. Um, I've always looked at it as very much like um, an actor playing a part and that part being a mission that they have to uh, achieve in this in this lifetime. And that part could be uh, socioeconomic, uh, you know the parents you pick, the the environment you pick. I mean you know me being a, a male Latino male in Los Angeles in 2021 is very different than being a woman uh, somewhere in the Sudan right now, uh, you know, or, or a man in Sudan, you know what I mean? It's like, and we're living at the exact same time, but it is a very, very different life experience, being at certain times, being certain races and people and things like that. So do you believe that, that we come down here and kind of put on the jacket, put on the part, if you will, so we learn those lessons grow and hopefully discover what our mission is i feel that sometimes we don't even know what our mission is and we still achieve that mission regardless but some of us few of us actually have the insight and can look inside and find out like like you have you're like my my world's gonna be this mother Teresa had hers um those are extreme examples but other people are like you know what i'm gonna be Uh, a hospice i want i want to help people i want to be a writer i want to put this out into the world i want to be a filmmaker i want to be an artist i want to be an architect these things to help people and to help society in general uh do you agree with anything i'm saying
0: everything i can Mm -hmm. tell you what the purpose of this life is Mm -hmm. over there and you don't come down from anywhere you migrate there between each dimension there are seven densities so you you like you said put on the coat you put on seven coats in order for you as a spiritual being to think you're a human being and physical, which is literally impossible. It's impossible, because if you if you look at the the physical world, Alex, it's based of Planck spheres, which is the sub 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 subatomic particle that makes up atoms. Mm-hmm. If you atom under an electron microscope, it's 98.99999% empty space. Right. Well, what's up molecules is a bunch of atoms. So if you take a molecule and you put it under an electron microscope, it's ninety nine point nine 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 six percent empty space. And molecules make up cells. And you have tens of trillions of cells in your body. Well, if you put a Cell under an electron microscope, it's 99.99999 <laughs> to infinity empty space. So today's physics an electron microscope proves you are not even here. It's energy. It it proves, but you have never left heaven. The insanity is to think because of pain. Okay, so that you can measure this atmosphere and not be damaged by it, pain. And then we create psychological and emotional pain. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. And then you create religions and things that get people to sin and to think like all that. And tribes and all that stuff. You had to be chosen to get the opportunity to come. And then you co-created the world that you would walk in. The meaning of life is to practice being a God. So people say, well, I'm, you know, I'm, this is all punishment. and blah, blah. Okay, well, make a list of everything that you pray and hope that God is. Write it on a piece of paper. And then look and see how many times per day do you get a chance to be one or all of those. All day, every day. You get a chance to be what you hope and pray that God is. So what's the meaning of life? Practice being a god. So the opposition to that is to keep you from focusing on that by creating it cost you to live on the earth. You have to pay to be here. Mm-hmm. And you really don't own anything. You pay taxes on the property or they take it away. Okay? You don't really own anything. So when you start buying into those stories, Alex, That's the trap. That's Mm. the trap. And once that happens, and look at the world we're living in right now. People are scared to death of death. And they are being frightened on a regular basis. And they have to know that it doesn't happen. It does not ever happen. You are not going to die. And no one ever leaves you. The process of grief and guilt and uh and loneliness in the divine world, Alex. Two things that never happen is helplessness and loneliness because you are divinely connected. As you put on those seven coats to come here through each density, then you, part of the subtext is to build relationships, loving, kind, caring relationships. Okay? And so the senses of being helplessness when you come here and when you leave here, you have two points of reference to helplessness. When you're born and when you're leaving and loneliness, when you're born and when you're leaving and throughout life, you experience degrees of helplessness and degrees of loneliness. Why? It never happens in the divine realm. So if you take those consciousness on as a physical being, that's the issues that are used to control and manipulate you. You will not be controlling and manipulating me. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do to me? Kill me? No. I think you funny. Right. <laughs> That's like bear rabbit. Please don't throw me in the briar pad. So right, right. When a person stops, and, and I do this because when I decided to write Save by the Light, my experiences were mine. I'd gone through lightning and two years to learn to walk and feed myself and then open heart surgery and oh think about it and it's all because of being struck by lightning I am healthy you know I take care of myself I don't do anything that's not trying to be healthy and so when I went to see Dr. Raymond Moody and When I got to Raymond's house, and Raymond wrote Life After Life, and he coined the term near-death experience. I got to his house. The electricity was turned off. The water was turned off. And he was sitting in his house on Christmas Eve, Alex, depressed. He had literally been destroyed by his own world, the world of philosophy, a PhD in philosophy, and a forensic psychiatrist who coined the phrase near-death experiences because he started researching people with cardiopulmonary resuscitation and people being brought back. The biggest crisis that the, that the medical field has is because of them we come back. <laughs> <laughs> Those people say there's nothing and no life after this. With their advancements in understanding chemistry, electro interference, and resonance, and drugs, and understanding the body, they can keep you alive longer than you're supposed to be here. And what happens is they are creating ways that we can re enter the body. But I think that that's God playing a practical joke. Okay, well, if you think there's nothing after this, all right, well, I'll send four or five of these crazy son of a bitches back. Okay, people say, well, Daniel, why do you think you were chosen to give this great message? It's very easy. God was scraping the absolute bottom of the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> he said, well, i what. Let's go find us a jackass and let's pile it on him and see how he handles it. <laughs> so that's how I
1: got this job. You know, the one thing—the one thing I've—I I, as we're talking, the one thing that's just just vibrating off of you is your fearlessness, and it's because you have an understanding in your own world—a a no, excuse me, that was a better word—a knowing in your own world about what this is all about and that confidence just comes off of you that you're like oh i'm good like i know what happens you know i'm I'm trying to help you guys out that energy is is so knowing and it's only knowing from the experience so and i'll use an example in my world where i have a film student who's never been on a set before and i've been on a set a thousand times and they're nervous and scared and everything i'm like just calm down man It's all gonna be fine. You're gonna be okay. But they are building all this stuff up in their head, and I'm like, "No, man, I've been here a billion times already. You'll be okay." And you teach them to walk through the, you know, walk through this minefield that they've created in their own mind. And I think that's what generally society has about death, and about that. Because I, I told my wife, you know, and I told, you know, my end of life, you know, uh, ritual, or I forgot what the term is, you probably know it better than I do. And my wife knows it because she works in the field. Um, but um, that paper that says, this is what I want to happen, no resuscitation, all this kind of stuff. No, I do-
0: Hey, right. Living
1: a, wheel. a living will. Thank you. In my living will, I just like, you know, I don't want to be plugged into anything. If I'm going, let me go. Let me, let me. And I also don't want to be buried. I want to have a celebration of life I celebrate my that's life. It should literal. be a party. It should be a real celebration. It shouldn't be a downer. I lived my life. I experienced things. I helped as many human people, I mean, people as possible. Uh, that's what it should be all about. And one thing before you say something, I, and I find it so, so powerful. One thing you said earlier in the panorama review that you see everything and that you see how you affect then you sit in everybody else's seat and how your life affected them and you go through that feeling and i find it really interesting because both you and i speak to the masses uh you speak to the masses through your books i speak to the masses through my shows and i occasionally uh, quite often get emails back from people like you've changed my life you helped me with this, you know, this interview did this and that and that and I tell people that is addictive. It is a drug for me. Now I live for that feeling. I'm like, Okay, I'm now going to dedicate my life to being of service because I see what effect it has on other people. And anyone listening out there. um, You don't if you're thinking about writing a book, or doing something that could help somebody else do it because you have no idea what impact you will have if one person reads a book that you've been dying to write for the last 20 years you can change one person's life and you and i've been blessed with changing hundreds of thousands of people if our, if my yeah. numbers if my numbers are correct in my data <laughs> as far as my analytics are concerned a lot of people listen listened to me over the years on my shows so it is so important that once and i told you this before we started once I gave myself to being of service, my entire life changed economically, um, relationships I was able to make, all of it changed the moment I stopped asking and taking. And I started to give without with and this is the key without wanting anything in return. I put out a podcast for free, I don't charge for it. I make my money other other places and, and money comes, I don't worry about that. But I give 95% of what I do away for free because I truly want to help. And anyone asks for anything, I always say, hey, man, there's about 7,000 (laughs) hours of free content you can listen to uh, and never pay me a dime. And that's completely fine. And if you can't pay me a dime, great. But that's that's the amazing thing about it. I'm sorry. I went on a little bit of a tangent there. But I'd love to hear what you think about that.
0: I support you. Look, (laughs) I'm doing this show. (laughs) <laughs> I, I I have mastered this technique because a person who's in transition has nothing to give me. Right. They will soon be gone. But from working in the VAs and in what's called the CLCs, the nursing homes, some of these people I have known for 10 years.
1: Right.
0: And I watched their life because their family dropped them off and just left them. And they have nobody. They're dying alone. And now this has become a psychology. There's two things that I want to thank the devil for on this podcast. And number one is this. I'm a 71-year-old Southerner. And I have seen racism and bigotry growing up in the 50s that I can't believe it. And the the psychology that's being played today is that of the 1968 Nixon playbook of politics to create racial divide. And at 71, I can look and say, my country is not racist. No matter how hard they try, no matter how hard they try, they cannot make us a racist nation. I thank the devil for that because I think that that's what's occurring. Number two, I am also thankful that my parents have already left this world. Because if you think that you could keep me From getting to my mother and my father, at the time of their transition or when they needed me, you have lost your mind. You have lost your mind. And no matter what, you better figure out a way. Because at the point where you cannot gather as a church and talk to each other to find comfort in relationships, to where your mother or your father is sitting alone and by themselves locked in a room in some nursing home, For anybody to think that there is any reason for that to happen is a fool. And I mean it. Why? I have spent 40 years watching people be abandoned. You know, helpless and abandoned and alone and no one calls them. The only person they see is me. Okay, so anybody who allows this to happen for whatever reason, and I hate to say that people are falsely foolish because there's nothing you could do to stop me from getting to mine. And if I was the old Daniel, I just thinned the herd. The new Daniel has to make bail. You know, I always, the, the new Daniels, I have no problems. I said, you know what guarantees justice in
1: America? Bail. I'm going to get out. Okay. <laughs> and I'll be right back. It's so interesting that, that, that the um the universe, the higher being, whatever name, God, whatever name you want to put on it, chose you for this for this journey, for this message. It is fascinating, because like, just like you said, you know, when you think of, of a of a messenger in the scriptural base in, in throughout history and throughout stories, you generally don't find it in the package that you're in, that you are, sir, which is so refreshing in so many ways. You normally find someone very serious. And if you if you believe the books, if you believe the stories, every so very, very serious, very calm, very, you know, doesn't have a sense of humor, all that kind of stuff. You're the complete opposite of all of that. So that's what I find fascinating about you. It's
0: swami <laughs> business. I call all that the swami business, okay? <laughs> you know, All I've been is dead so many times, it's like a comedy routine. And I do not, I I love this world, and I love this life, and I hate to see what people are being done to think that they're going to die. And what you can scare them into doing, what you can scare them into doing, shows their faith and belief in their self and their divine understanding of who they really are. Is so clouded and so delusional, and I can only blame religions, institutions, and governments for that. I can only do that. So I, I get up every day, and I pick what I want to do. And I wanted to do this show because you are exactly the kind of people I want to support. Thank you. You know, and there's the shows that I want to do. You know, I'm famous, Daniel but only because i've been dead so many times god what a way to be famous but there are people out there who can make a difference and impact because we are drawn toward each other mm-hmm. we who have a who truly who truly have an intent and to make a difference shine because it is the natural divine way of your true self coming out And once that happens, I migrate. And when we were asking earlier, I said, how did you find me? Okay, because I knew to do it. I knew to do this show no matter what. I was going to be on time, and I was going to be ready. And everywhere it went, I'm going. But I'm just always going to be me. And it's easy for me, because I'm just telling the truth. Right. I don't have to hide anything or make up anything or do any of that. And I was telling you that when I saw Raymond, Mm hmm When I got Raymond's on Christmas Eve in that house all alone and by himself, I decided that as I had grown in this, I went on about my business, Alex. I went back to work. When I could get up and go again, I went back to work because the lightning strike completely destroyed everything. Every time I die, I lose everything. I lose everything. I am my income. I lose everything. Okay? And I've done this four times. Been wiped completely out. All right. Uh, He's just trying to see how, how checking out my sense of humor. But all the people who had this experience in the early years, Alex, they had nobody to talk to. Right, Raymond created a way that there was a place that they could frame what had happened to them. Because if they talked to their minister, priest, rabbi. Right. They told them to go tell their psychologist that. They go tell their psychologist that or psychiatrist that. They tell them to go talk to their priest or rabbi or minister about it, okay? So Raymond was broken. I mean, he was down. And I decided that I would write Save by the Light, and I would put the boxes of knowledge in there because I wanted people to pick on somebody their own size. You want to attack somebody? Well, you just come on over here and get you some. <laughs> you know? Don't be pushing around a little philosopher. Raymond is a little he's a typical psychiatrist. You know, there's always something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. But it's a wonderful, loving, funny human being. And all his friends was dead. Socrates, Plato,
1: you know. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> you know? By a couple of years. That's by a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, that's Rain.
0: That's I always called him the Rain Man, Alex,
1: because of his personality.
0: But I mm-hmm. needed people to pick on somebody size. Come on over here. Let me write this book. And Paul sat down with me and I wrote it. And Paul did a really good job, Alex. I mean, what I know and how Paul, who is one month older than me, Mm -hmm. we're the same age, grew up in the same time period. We're completely opposite. We don't agree on anything. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, he's, but when we sit down and write this, And like now, we're working on projects now because now box 12 tells me now is the time to strike, which moves into the final vision. I am finally about to finish a 45-year adventure, okay, because I know what I'm supposed to do. You know, it's waiting to time it in the sea. And so talking to Paul, it's funny how all these years, 25 years of being close friends, 26 years of being close friends but with nothing in common, I thought Paul did an excellent job of taking my notebook. So I wrote all this down in 1976 in nifty spiral notebooks. Because I could start to write again. You know, I had to walk and eat and quit wetting myself. and I had to put clothes when I'd roll myself off on the floor. I had to put clothes, clean clothes, and a wet rag, and those, those wet towels. So if I didn't make it to the bathroom, because making it to 10 to 15 feet to the bathroom was like a serious effort and it was painful. And I, a lot of times I didn't make it, you know, I didn't make it. So coming from there and looking at people who had this spiritual experience and with no one to turn to, and they was turning to Raymond and Raymond's world had crushed him. Hmm. Well, I decided to write the book and get into the Swami business And do my part, you know, to do my part. And because people need to know they are divine. They're great, powerful, and mighty spiritual beings. And if you don't lock on that, you will be led astray. You will be manipulated. And the day you think you're physical, although quantum theoretical dynamics can literally prove you're not here. Mm-hmm. Science and prove that you're not here. Right. Atoms, molecules, and cells, what are you made of? Atoms, molecules, and cells. Well, what's inside of a cell, atom, and a molecule? Nothing.
1: No, nothing. Right. <laughs> okay.
0: So,
1: so I think I, I think that every I think so many of, of us I mean, I am I'll just use my, my journey as an example. I focus so much throughout my life on the physical physical things, physical uh, attainment. Um, and I always was somewhat of a spiritual person, um, and and definitely, you know, believed in a higher power and, and all of that. But only as I've gotten older, um, and I, you know, I'm now only after, you know, getting to this age, and, and, and all the things I've experienced over the last five or six years doing my shows, uh, I started to realize to let go of stuff because stuff means nothing at the end of the day. It absolutely means nothing. Helping somebody else. Life experiences are so much more valuable than a big screen TV. I would much rather take a trip and enjoy and interact with mm-hmm. other people and help other people and experience what this world has to offer than to own stuff. and slowly. Hey, the, have huh? you ever seen a U-Haul on the back of a hearse? that's a great great oh my god i'm gonna steal that that is an amazing that is an amazing statement have you ever seen a u-haul in the back of a hearse it's absolutely true but yet most of our lives we're focused on obtainment on stuff on the you know the next big gadget the next big thing and that's what we're constantly being bombarded with through television and media and and even your peers are constantly like, what do you have this? or Do you have that new thing or that? I had my last iPhone, I had for six years. (laughs) It worked. I didn't need the new one. I didn't need the new one. I just bought it. I finally bought the other one because it finally broke. I'm like, okay, it's time to buy a new one. I'll have this one probably for another six years. (laughs) You know, it's like. I
0: mean, people have to get it. You have been pulled outward. The, The ultimate goal of what you're living in based on the boxes of knowledge from 1975. Mm -hmm. There is an ethereal level of consciousness that exists in you, those quiet meditative moments where you put your feet in the grass, or you're at the ocean, or up in the mountains, that negative ion charge that connects you to your divinity. By pulling you outward, by creating blockchains, by making the phone everything, to create cryptocurrency, then they can create a way to control you, just like when Jesus drove the money changers from the temple. Everybody thinks that means that you're not supposed to make money being spiritual. But if you read it, what it says was the difference between Roman money, which if you bought something under Roman occupation, you had to pay for it in Roman coinage, and the difference between shekels or whatever coinage that they used or the value of a gold or whatever the barred exchange rate, was so insane. You got, for every hundred things that you had, you got one Roman coin. So when Passover and the celebration came, it would break you in order to follow the traditions of the Hebrew culture created by the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. So what Jesus was rebelling against was the rate of exchange, not about making a living because that way it's been construed for you to lose a certain value. I think saving the world is a profession, Mm -hmm. okay? And when you dedicate your soul, the point that a person has to watch for it, if you start out with an intention to achieve something, there is a very fine shift in frequency that that intention becomes a motive. And right there's where the trap is, right there's where the branding is, right there's where the selling points are, right there, okay? I can detect it instantly. Because some people are enlightened, I was enlightened, <laughs> and I opened up I opened up the sensory perceptions about stuff that I can tell about people. You know, I can tell about them. Just like I said, when we started this conversation, I was just making sure I was right about you, and you have reinforced it in this call. So we all have to stop. And realize that what you're the most afraid of will never happen. Mm-hmm. You will never die. And if I didn't go to hell, nobody's going. <laughs> okay.
1: Now in this.
0: <laughs>
1: now well, in this. Con- oh, like I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like the whole concept of hell never made sense to me. Even when I was growing up as a, in going to Catholic school when I was young, I was like, wait a minute. You mean this God that loves me, is also going to create a place? that will burn, so I will burn in eternity because I ate meat on Friday, this doesn't, or I ate pork on Friday, this doesn't make any sort of logical sense whatsoever. Oh, and I could could also, I can lie to somebody and also go go kill somebody, and then go get forgiveness and confession, and we're clean, like this doesn't make any sense, so that's why I was always searching for something else, it's 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 crazy, it's crazy. No problem,
0: you are responsible. The Panoramic Life Review, the Hall of Records, the Great Book of Judgment, okay? Well, let me tell you who judges you. You judge you. Who you think knows more about you than you? You. Nobody, okay? You are the judge. It's just that it's a higher level of your identity that's judging you. You take mm-hmm. off the uniform of being Daniel or Alex, and you get back to being who you really are. And then
1: you check it out and see how stupid you could have been or how gracious. Did you ever see the movie meet Joe black with yes. um, with Brad Pitt when he when it was death coming on death on vacation, essentially, I feel that it's a It's very similar to us like we're on a human physical vacation. But what we really are is divine souls, divine energy. And this is just we're just stuff. here. This is just stuff. I look at like I love Meet Joe black for that. That reason It's like, Oh, I'm gonna put literally put on the the, the meat skin uh, coat and and just go and experience the physical, but death always knows who he was <laughs> he never never at one point thought that he was anything, but we don't have that ability. most of us at least don't have that ability to understand that we are divine creatures and we have such immense power inside of us that we are not even remotely tapping into. but when you see these masters um that are able to do it throughout history the buddhas of the world and and the Jesuses of the world and these kind of masters who are able to finally tap into that and try to share it with all of us is uh is fascinating
0: well always remember alex you're here practicing being a god okay right. but let me tell you the coolest stuff about it we're heroes when you come here when you're chosen to come and you choose to come you're considered a hero in the next seven levels. You know, in Genesis, it says there are seven—Genesis uh, has seven levels. Mm-hmm. There are seven heavens. Okay, it says in in Genesis. Well, in each of those, at least five of those levels, because I have seen four in my life. I've seen each time I went over there, which I've been over there now four times. Each time I went over there, I, saw, I went to a different level a different place to explore it, to understand it, to look at it, you know, and then I write a book about it, you know, because I need people to say, hey, look, stop, here's Daniel. I'm not going to lie to you or tell you some old BS. I'm not going to do that because if I'm going to have a panoramic life of you and I'm going to be every person I've ever encountered and I feel the direct results of my interaction between them, for me to be lying to you would make me completely insane. Well, I'm pretty crazy, but I'm not insane. (laughs) Okay, And the other point is this, when people understand, when they say, well, Daniel, how in the world can you be a hospice volunteer? Do you know, Alex, what it's like to be able to be looking in the person's eyes who's lying there and they've been alone and by themselves and suffering from Agent Orange and they're dying a horrible death? To be them and to be able to see in my life review, to be able to see them looking up into the eyes of the divine because I'm there. And I'm holding their hand and I'm talking them through it and I'm telling them what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And to be able to have that in the panoramic life review, it's very easy for me to be doing what I'm doing. It's so easy because I have seen myself as the representation of divinity in panoramic life reviews. And remember, I've been through four of these puppies. So the worst thing about a panoramic life review is it doesn't pick up where you just left off. you got to go through all that evil crap you did again. So it, it does that so that you never get too unreflective about your growth. Right. So yeah. if people wake up in the morning and set a series of goals and at the end of that day have a life review, their life will organize when they're in the sleep state, you know. When people say, when I was looking at theoretical quantum mechanics and the string theory, and in this part of the string theory, there's the chaos theory. And in the chaos theory, there's the multi-universe theory, which I know is true. So people said, when someone told me that we are living 11 to 17 simultaneous lives in the multi-universe theory. I said, well, damn, no wonder I wake up so tired in the morning. because I'm exhausted. In those other places, because I've been having here, whoa, let's (laughs) party all (laughs) <laughs> you know what Alex let me apologize for not being solemn and serious you know but you know what, what you see is what you get, at worse
1: you know look there's so much fear in this in this world and I think in the human condition we're entrenched with fear from the beginning I mean I was I was yelled I was I was told about you know hell. And I remember when I first heard about hell, I was terrified. It was just a way of control. It was a way of controlling a, a rumbunctious child. Um, and and we're constantly being controlled and we're constantly trying to be, you know, fear mongered to. And it's only the people who can really kind of cut through all of that BS, look inward and understand their true nature and true identity that can really kind of help not only walk the, the path themselves, but hopefully enlighten people around them through the work that they do, or the, the things that they say, or the books that they write, or the movies they make, or whatever, whatever way that goes out there. Um, it is, is really interesting. I wanted to ask you, though, do you meditate? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I figured as much. I'm, I'm a very big meditator myself. I, I try to get in at least an hour or to a day if I can. Um, and I've been doing it for and when that started, and I finally started to get into meditation, that's when everything also started changing. It was oddly around the same time I started doing this. Uh, it, it was oddly around that time where these two things started coming together. I started meditating more and more and my shows started to grow more and more uh, and, and my business and all that started to grow more and more. And uh, I think that without meditation, this is my feeling, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I feel meditation is the way that you can connect to the divine. In a, in a very profound way. And you can find the answers. I've gone into meditation with questions and come out with answers many, many, many a time. Uh, so anytime I have a big, deep life, quote unquote, problem, I'll go in, I'll ask the question. And nine out of 10 times, I get the answer within a few sessions. Question. Now, I want to ask you one last question. Why is what is your soul's mission in this life?
0: To create, uh, to create the fact that no one dies, and that I have successfully gotten up from the dead, and I have done this with, without any chance of surviving. Two and a half years ago, there was no chance. My my brother and sister and Catherine were there to tell me goodbye, because that was the story. Mm-hmm. That aneurysm was going to burst, and that was it. And the surgery, because of how weakened my body is from the lightning, then they didn't have a chance. They couldn't even find a doctor to do the surgery. Nobody wanted to try it because I guess it messes up their record if I died on the table. When That's I great. came out of it, when I came from, what I thought why is this, I come from open heart surgery into intensive care. I have no blood pressure. None. Wow. And this this guy... This doc this little nurse who had worked, he had worked 12 hour shifts and he said that something told him that this guy needs to live. And he stayed for two hours till he got my blood pressure to something like 50 over 20. But I was done. It was over. And then I lasted five more days and I was dead again. So my life's mission is to this, to create the centers. Everything is in Saved by the Light. You can buy it on Amazon or you can go to lightstreamers.com. That's a friend of mine who put the boxes of knowledge up. And you can read chapter 12, box, box five. I mean, box, chapter five, box 12, and then the final vision, which is the centers, the ability to access those levels of consciousness while you're still here. The OBE, the spiritual nature of yourself the techniques by which it is you gain control of you instead of being controlled and in that moment you don't have to die to touch your spirituality and once that place is put into position and there is that way so that a person who is who is really grieving which I think is a horrible thing I think that separation and loneliness but most grieving is structured on guilt based on abandonment Mm-hmm. Because you think it died and left you and you're mad about it, mm-hmm. instead of looking at that, I'm writing, a, Paul and I are working on a book called Certainty. Because if there is something that's guaranteed and inevitable, you need to be an expert on it. And if you're breathing, you're leaving. In the book, we just, I'm just finishing now. It's called Ten Things to Know Before You Go, because I make fun of everything.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know? Sure. So, So the first page says, what's the number one cause of death in America and most other countries? Question mark. You turn the page and it says, no matter what you thought, birth is the number one cause of death. Birth. (laughs) That's a great line. That's that's excellent. The next page it says, remember, if you're breathing, you're leaving. And if you just took a breath, this book is for you. So that book comes out sometime in the fall and then certainty comes out and I want to put these centers in place and I will do it by the middle part of next year. Okay. I mean, I'm structuring it now and I'll tell you where I'm going to do it. I'm going to put it at the ARE Institute, the Edgar Casey Hospital, built in 1928 in Virginia Beach. Because most of Edgar Casey's readings that he did was about health care, about t- illnesses, and a mm-hmm. lot of integrative and complementary medical protocols, okay? And then he built it in 28. And I think that I can revive Casey's studies and look at this stuff because how in the world can I feel bad when here's a fundamentalist uh, snake passing Kentucky, boy from Kentucky, who's mm-hmm. scared to go to sleep at night because then he wakes up. Some woman's written down all the stuff that he's talked about, how you got that big birthmark on the front of your head when you ran into a wall somewhere in Atlantis 250,000 years ago. (laughs) I don't feel so bad, because think about poor old Edgar. (laughs) So I can revive that, and I can finish this vision, and I can have a life. I mean, either I'll leave, Mm -hmm. or I'll stay. But it would be that I owned me, that I fulfilled the boxes of knowledge. I have never moved, Alex, from what I said, the battle for the souls of humankind would be fought in healthcare in 1970. Well, it took me about a month before I could talk again, but I've never moved. And I've integrated my life in the medical paradigms of palliative and end-of-life care. And in my memorandum of understanding with the Veterans Administration, it was to, to explore integrative and complementary pathways to be used and I'm now creating the transition brigade which is dealing with home health care because as I watch where the VA is and I watch what's happening then I created a program called if you love them keep Mm -hmm. them home as long as you can and learn how to do this and learn how to manage this uh, emotionally and spiritually and responsibly because it's possible no matter what else is going on. And it will definitely keep what we see happening from happening if they're at home.